0: The optimal life.
1: So, Sarah, uh, earlier this year, you were part of a really small group of people. Because when I look at the statistics in the United States, I mean, it's a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a percent of people that are diagnosed with ALS. You, unfortunately, are are now part of that group. Um, Take us back. Before you got the diagnosis, I think was in March of this year, plus or minus th- that time frame. Take us back before that. What what started happening to your body, to your mind, whatever it was that you started feeling different? When was it and what was happening?
0: Yeah. So in March of 22, I was a full-time high school teacher and I'm in my social studies classroom and I reached for a binder clip, which is one of my favorite tools. And I couldn't pinch with my dominant hand. And I was like, Oh, that's weird. This binder clip is broken or whatever. And then I used my left hand and it was fine. And I thought that's odd. And I had a little bit of issue related to balance, but I'm a six foot tall woman. And I joke that I'm like, a newborn cult, like I never grew into my size. So I'm like, Oh, well, I'm like, kind of clumsy. I'm sure it's just that it's like, I don't know, I think there were things happening. And I just sort of wrote them off. Um It took about two months for me to get into a neurologist into a specialist. And in May, I went in very cocky, like, Oh, I'm sure it's just like a pinch nerve or carpal tunnel something. And He was like, no, it's definitely neurological. And I was like, oh, like what? And of course, it's all these extremely scary things that get tossed out, you know, and you Google and you get nervous. And so they ran the gamut. They did every test that they possibly could and ruled out a lot, but we're having a really hard time ruling things in.
1: Let me Uh, stop you real quick, Sarah. Yeah, of course. Uh, March. It happens in March of 22, this issue with the binder clip. And then for two straight months before you go into the doctor, it's you're having that same issue every single day. It sounds like.
0: Yeah. And also it sort of was feeling like it was getting worse. So I I describe it as sort of like climbing up my forearm. So Mm. it wasn't just weakness in, you know, this part of my hand. It was more like climbing up the side of my arm.
1: Gotcha. Okay. So you felt it wasn't not only going away, it was getting more intense and Mm -hmm. it was, it felt like it was spreading beyond your fingers. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. And then you go in in May, they give you the gamut of tests and they don't know what it is. So that's kind of where you're at at this point. Yeah. Okay.
0: And then in May until August, I had MRIs, EMGs, blood work, a lumbar puncture. I was like a, but like a human guinea pig, they were trying to figure all these things out. And um, in August of that year, I'd gone to Ohio State, I'd gone to an Ohio health physician, I'd gone to Cleveland Clinic. And in August of 22 was the first time that somebody said motor neuron disease or ALS. And it was really jarring. And I um, I went out to lunch with my mother-in-law and we had a lot of wine and a lot of tears. And then I think I just sort of felt like there's no way. Like, I really believe that this was an older person, predominantly male disease. Um, And what I know now is that like 45% of people have ALS are female. So I had a total misconception about who it could be. And I think that is what keeps us from being diagnosed. I think it's why it takes on average about a year to be diagnosed. Um, And so I went to Ohio state, they said, no, we can't say for sure it's ALS. And so I had spinal surgery in September of 22, hoping that it would alleviate my symptoms.
1: So, okay. So you're, they don't, somebody mentions to you, one of the medical professionals tells you in August Maybe this is what it is. We think this is what it is. Nobody's giving you a firm diagnosis. Right. Um what what do they what did they do? Do you know what test that they gave you that made them feel like, hey, we think that this is Lou Gehrig's disease?
0: Yeah, good question. So on um, EMG is uh I sort of call it like your human pincushion test. Um, an EMG, they stick needles into your arms and they try to determine how your nerves are sort of talking to your muscles. And in order to be sort of officially confirmed with ALS, there has to be signs of denervation in over, usually like over two or three places. And so my first EMG, it was only in my arm. And they were like, Yeah, it could be. It's a differential diagnosis. We got to roll that out. And then as I continued, I had three or four EMG. So as I continued, then it was sort of more and more clear. And it is something that you have to show, like progress. You can't. Like there's not a test that's like, oh, I see lesions. We know that it's MS or, oh, I see this like protein in your blood work. It indicates this. It's a very um, challenging and complex. And that's because we don't know a lot about ALS still.
1: Okay. So they give you that uh, opinion and, but still nobody's willing to give you the full diagnosis. And then in September, you then mentioned something about spinal surgery.
0: Yeah. So I did have a little bit of compression in my cervical spine, and they thought that it was something where potentially if you've got a little pinch here, maybe it could be causing some of my symptoms. So initially at that time, they were calling it something called cervical myelopathy, which mimics a lot of the signs of ALS, like issues with balance and weakness and things like this. So it was one of those things where I was like, oh my gosh, please give me the surgery because it could be fixed. And, you know, you really, really don't want it to be ALS. And we had to kind of rule that out in order to even move forward with diagnostics.
1: Oh, okay. So I was going to ask you, do you regret that decision? But it sounds like you needed to make that, that you had no decision. You had no choice on that one.
0: No, I'm like, cut me right here, right? you go in right here, honey. Wow. Like, I was so ready to see if that could solve it. And um, post-op, I was super hopeful and I continued to go to OT and PT and I continued to get weaker and worse. And my OT did a strength test in my hands in January of 23 and my numbers were... I would say substantially worse and we both just cried and she was like, okay, it's time to go back and revisit. And I was like, you probably know what it is. And she was kind of like, I mean, I can't really say, but it it felt more clear to me. And at that point I didn't return to work in a full-time capacity after that.
1: So August, the opinion, September, the surgery, Mm. and then you have a, a long few months of recovery. Things aren't getting better. They're actually still getting worse. I want you to go back to the those months, the the third, fourth quarter of 2022, post surgery. I mean, where are you at emotionally? How do you how do you put that into words?
0: Um, hopeful. I was like, so I mean, I'm an optimist, I'm a bright and shiny girl. So I'm like, well, you know, like we'll just have to see, and I'm on all these supplements and I'm going to a functional medicine person and I'm trying to like, you know, just have hope like this is the worst year and next year it won't be like that and so pretty hopeful
1: so you were hopeful you were you weren't doom and gloom in no those way. october november december nights no okay so you were hopeful you were positive you felt like let's let's get past these few months and things will start turning around let's yeah. get in. let's get into the new year 2022 has been really brutal let's oh, get man. into 23
0: yeah. I'm like, turn the page. My husband turned 40. We had like this big banger party. It was like so amazing. And I'm like crying when the ball dropped, like, let's go fresh start. Like, oh, yeah. I was... How
1: old were you? How old were you last year when this okay, all happened? So
0: 35 when I had my first symptom, 36 when I had surgery, and then um, I turned 37 in June.
1: Gotcha. That's... Okay. So it started when you were 35 you said was your first symptom. Mm -hmm. What was your first symptom? Was it that? It was the pinch. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you get into this year, this calendar year of 2023, January comes, it's not, it's not getting better Then, then where does it go from there?
0: Yeah. So, um, I would say that's when my dark and stormy set in. (laughs) I definitely felt more sure. And I just kind of had to wait to get additional testing. I think the hardest part of this process is how much you have to wait between appointments to see specialists and to get feedback. Um, But I went to UC in March and that's where I saw Dr. Neil and he is an angel. And he, by the time he told me, I like knew and I just needed to know to like, I don't know, be able to plan and like know what the heck I was going to do. And you, you needed know. you I mean, needed
1: the you needed the final uh, closure. Might not be the right word because it's not closure; it's the beginning. But you needed that final confirmation. Yeah. To allow you to say you knew ninety nine percent. This is what it yeah. is at this point. Oh yeah. Were you were you researching ALS daily, weekly? I'm sure you. This has become your obsession, right? Starting back in 22.
0: Oh yeah. I mean. Once I started to, like, look into this, I was like, oh, man, I have, like, every single thing except for this and that. And, like, it just, like, checked all the
1: boxes. And... Tell us some of those things. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Tell us, what are some of those signs and symptoms when you say you had almost every single thing?
0: Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, So I have a lot of something called fasciculations. They are, like, little jumpy twitches. Um. And uh, those became more like tremor. So um, I basically twitch like there's an electrical circuit running through me all the time in different spots. Uh, I also um, have a ton of fatigue. So like just by, I joke that like by existing, I'm tired. Um, this is not like a, you know, hard night to sleep sort of sleepiness. This is like my body like feels like I could just fall over or faint or like I, I get like trunk soreness. So like when I'm sitting up with you talking to you now, um, I'll have to lay down for about like 20 minutes after to get flat because my trunk, just to like support my own core, it feels like if you did like a hundred crunches. So um, those are things that are sort of typical. Um, also just like I'm having a ton of atrophy so people can't see on the podcast, but like my elbow is like, you can just see my whole bone, like in my elbow, or like you can see like my whole shoulder, like bone. And that's not typical. I'm a former swimmer, super strong, athletic human. And so all those things are just like muscle wasting is not something that is typical for a lot of different diseases.
1: Okay. Okay. So all those major symptoms you you were reading, you're like, I have 90% of this stuff.
0: Yeah. I'm very lucky to not have issues related to breathing yet. And I'm also very lucky not to have issues with swallowing yet. Uh, But everything else I have.
1: So you get the final confirmation this March of 23. Mm. And you could finally move forward now with, okay, we don't need to keep guessing. We don't need a second guess. I have ALS. I have this neurodegenerative disease. Is that a proper way to say it? That's right. Um, and now I have to put things into motion to try because they don't have a cure for ALS yet, at least not one that's been proven. So now it's about not necessarily curing it, but it's about slowing it or, you know, stopping its progression. So what did you start doing then after that meeting with Dr. Neal?
0: Yeah, uh well, I mean, I think for like a month or two I just like cried every day and binge watched Game of Thrones, even though I'd already seen it and like you know Hey, that's
1: a up. good medicine, right? Oh Game of Thrones <laughs> this is a distraction.
0: Just give me some dragons. I'm like, <laughs> this isn't real, this is fine, I just escaped. <laughs> Right. Thank you, Westeros. See
1: a few um, heads, few heads get chopped off. You're like, okay, things aren't so bad. Right. I'm, I'm still like, here.
0: oh like John yeah. Snow like got stabbed by his friends. Like it could be worse. I don't know. Okay. Um, uh, but <laughs> so I um I was in a really hard place. I'm really lucky to be um around amazing family and friends, and my spouse is so good, and I have a therapist and I'm medicated and um, it's not like I'm not used to hard stuff. We've had a lot of hard stuff, and so this is definitely the hardest. uh, but I just started to like make a bucket list and cross those things off, and I started to make a lot of plans for um how to see my life differently. I feel like I'm super productive. I'm like very type A and now i'm not in the same way and so trying to like find a new way to be a helper and find a new way to find purpose um and i'm feeling a lot better a lot better i mean you know what you can do so i got two littles i gotta like keep rocking and rolling for them
1: how old are your kids
0: seven and five
1: seven and five okay so uh, what what's the conversation? That's that's something I know you've talked about. That's something that, that that most there's not a playbook for this because most people number one this is such again this affects so very few people and then on top of that, uh, thirty five years old to get that first symptom at that young of an age you're in a very rare category I would take it. So well, when you've got little ones at home, what what did you, what did you guys do? How do you break the news?
0: Yeah, so. What is really weird about ALS is that it's hugely on the rise. So although we've known for it to be rare, and that's sort of what we've said for a long time, what we know is that our chances to get some kind of neurodegenerative disease is like 1 in 300, which is actually pretty high, and it's supposed to increase like hundreds of percent by 2074, and they're linking that to we don't know what. Is it environmental? Maybe. Is it genetic? We know some are. Um, The research is just exploding right now about ALS. And there's a ton more ALS cases in the Midwest than there are any other spaces in the United States. And so I hope that in like 20 to 30 years, we'll have like completely new about what ALS is, why it is and what we can do about it. Uh, uh, but you I know, real
1: quick true. too, real yeah. quick too, Sarah, uh, just to piggyback off of that, I mentioned to you that my fiance's father, he's been battling ALS for it's been approximately eight years at this point, mm. plus or minus. And uh, she she doesn't know for sure, but she swears she believes in her heart that some of it was caused by by some mass stress. She believes it was triggered by some massive stress or some stress induced uh in events over the course of time that at least you know played a, a contributing factor in the ALS. Yeah. So who knows? Yeah.
0: I know. Well, and I think like that's why raising awareness is so incredibly important because the reason why it feels rare is because everyone who's gotten it is gone. Like if you count it up how many people get it or know someone who's had it, it's a huge number. But like we don't have the chance to be a big group, because right now it's not a livable disease. Um, And I mean, I'll get back to the kid thing in a second. But Mm -hmm. I really believe that in my lifetime, and in yours, HIV went from an absolute death sentence to a livable disease. Same with CF. cystic fibrosis used to be the worst thing that a parent could hear and now my friends two of my friends have cf and are in their 30s and are parents and so i believe that we live in an explosive time of science and i hope that it we can hit pause on this bad boy because i can live disabled a long time but yes. not if my voice is gone and not if i can't like i'm not if i can't do it on my own terms so that's what i think
1: So how did, so go back to the kids. What did you guys do?
0: Yeah. Okay. So of course this is like the worst thing. You don't want to be like, Hey kids, I have the worst news ever. Um, But uh, luckily my seven-year-old is already in therapy for anxiety. And so am I. And my husband's also in therapy after his father passed. He was like, Whoa, I can't do this on my own. So we had a whole team of professionals who are giving us a ton of guidance. So, We did a FaceTime with both of our therapists, my husband and mine. We did a FaceTime with Lincoln's therapist. And then we did a touch base with his pediatrician. I got every freaking book I could on ALS and like how to tell your kids and stuff. And they were all about grandmas. And I'm like, excuse me, what about the mama? Like we got no book about the mama. So Um. Um, I found one through the ALS Association written I by... I think I just girl.
1: figured out your next project, Sarah.
0: Right? I know. I you better so. believe. I got to get a good illustrator, though. They, she got to get this hair right. <laughs> um, but I, I um, found this girl uh, who wrote a book called Bennett the Badger. And it's about like a tribute to her dad who she lost um, to ALS. And obviously her last name is Bennett. So um, the ALS Association hung me up with this adorable book and um had my kids in one at a time and I just said like what do you notice about what's going on with me and they talked about it and I said well I say I don't want to lie to you and I don't want to keep secrets and so there's a name for what I have now and this is what it is and I gave all three names Mm -hmm. and I said it is something where uh, it's unlikely I'm gonna get better and it's likely that I might get worse in some ways but we're working with the best doctors and scientists to find a way to kind of hit the pause button and of course my seven-year-old who's very high functioning and very curious said well do people die from this and we said yeah they do and he said well you sorry
1: that's i know it's it's i was going to ask you this had to be the toughest conversation of your life i'm I getting do. choked up I'm getting choked up listening to it. Yep. And I just said,
0: we don't know when anyone will. And we don't. And I'm glad. I'm glad that I live in this time. You know, like, if Chad GBT can write a paper better than my own high school students, like, we can figure out how to do some trials. And I don't care about, like, writing my name. Like, I don't care about that, but I just want to like, see them, you know, So Uh,
1: how do they react to that? I mean, so
0: well, oh my God, we give them so little credit. Mm -hmm. So well, he asked a ton of questions more like, um, does it hurt or where does it hurt? He said like, what's the medicine called? Like I bring him into everything. Like I put them on my scooter. I like, you know help them give me meds like it's not to like I just try to keep it light like I literally call my hand a floppy fish like I just try to like be goofy in the hopes that like they can see that like it's not all of me it's like a part of me but like I'm so much more than
1: that mm. wow that is that is gut-wrenching got is gonna oh, be the toughest thing that you've ever had to do
0: totally yes <laughs>
1: That has that is uh, I give you uh, I don't I'm I'm very very rarely left speechless and I'm I'm somewhat speechless right now. Yeah, um, I
0: mean, it's nuts, and also like it was such a weight lifted. It was like then I didn't feel like it was secretive, and then I felt like if something happened, I'd be like, oh, you know, it's ALS, and they're like, oh, yeah, and I'm like, it's just like. <laughs> opened up this world for us to like be more authentic and there's nothing better to me than being real it's better than being like you know i don't want to whisper behind them and have them wonder they already knew something was up it's like they're not they know something's happening and it's like what they make up in their head might be worse than what you're saying so i don't know i think tell them you gotta tell them because they know
1: Yes. And they're going to be a source of strength um, as you guys go along this and figure out your new normal and what this new life looks like. And because there's still probably so many unknowns and who knows how long that some some people that you could live with this for a a long, long, long time. I mean, you could have a a very long life ahead of you and, and God willing, you will. And God willing, there'll be drugs and therapeutics and those things that slow it down or reverse it even. So l- that kind of leads me to, uh, I've seen you uh, on Instagram posting some of your videos, the Ananda edit, which I want to ask you about, because that's such a peculiar name. I don't yeah. want to know what that means. But yes. before, before we get there, I I did see that you've been doing some, um, some therapeutics or you're part of a trial at the moment. Is that correct?
0: Yeah. So um, the healing trial, um, it's through UMass and there's a bunch of testing sites all over the country. There are three in Ohio, which I'm so grateful for. So uh, you can only be in this trial if you're within like two years of symptoms, which is always, I think, frustrating for my ALS community people who are like, oh, I'm, you know, three years in, so I can't even do anything. So that's tough. But for me, I'm eligible for, um, I'm in regimen G. It's a powder. I mix it with applesauce every day. Tastes like nothing. It's awesome. I won't know if I got the placebo or not for years, but I feel like I have the active drug. And within one to three months, they said you might notice like a plateau or a slow. Um, I haven't yet, but I'm hopeful and um, I'm grateful that I can be a part of it. And. Uh, What I'm really excited about is Neuron, which is a stem cell therapy that is um, up for FDA approval. And we'll know by December if that's been approved. And I can't wait to get all of the spinal taps. As soon as that is approved, I'm like, come on, honey, come on, I'm ready for you. So I feel really hopeful about Neuron. Again, seeing all of these treatments more as a stopgap. Not necessarily a cure, but something that can give us time for the science to continue and ideally find a way to make this a more livable journey.
1: That's uh, incredible and inspirational stuff. Have you heard of AMX0035?
0: Yeah. So AMX, that one's is toperson. That one's for the SOD 1 gene. Right. If you have a genetic a marker, which is the sad one, then you're eligible for to person. And that one is um, having some pretty good outcomes, at least for some of the women who are in my support group, which is called her ALS story. Um They are my lifeboat right now. They're my homies. So uh, it's like over 80 women who all have had symptoms um in their 30s. And we're all over the world, you know, Sweden and israel and bunch bunch in the u.s
1: wow well community as we all know is clearly the most important thing for anybody when they're going through anything that's challenging or difficult or traumatizing or sad community is key so the fact that you found that with this women's group that's got to be exhilarating i assume that you've got some best friends from this group already
0: yeah i got some uh good girls there's a mom who i connected with yesterday on the phone who Um, we met on the group, but then she's been like looking at my stuff on Ananda and she's like, Oh my God, we need to be friends. So we talked (laughs) yesterday. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just thought of myself as somebody who really like, I'm like a type two Enneagram and I want to be a helper. And then I was like, Oh, I have this now. I need so much help. I can't help other people, but I don't think that's true. I think I can.
1: What scares you the most today as we sit here?
0: Oh, my voice. I love my voice. And even right now, like I, um, have a lot of spasticity, which means it's really tight in here. Um, so my voice sounds like strained, I guess. And a lot of that has to do with just like I'm spastic. So really, really, really tight. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I'm a teacher and a chatterbox and I want to be able to keep talking.
1: That's been a tough thing for me again with my my fiance's father. I never got a chance to know him. I've never had a conversation with him verbally and, and that's that's been very tough. Yeah. that's been very tough.
0: yeah you know
1: the physical stuff goes the physical stuff, but the fact that I haven't been able to you know he he's able to use his hands a little bit and type and those kind of things but uh yeah, not being able to have that conversation that's that's difficult,
0: yeah.
1: That's difficult. Do they give you a timeline? I mean, I know it's different from ev- for everybody. Is there a general timeline on when this happens or is it all over the place?
0: It's so, so different per person. So I have something called sporadic limb onset, which means it is not genetic so far as we know, and it is starting in my limb. So it started in my hand and my right leg and now it's in my left hand and a bunch of other places. Bulber, starts in the like throat and mouth. It's like sort of from like, I would say like nose to chest is where it starts. Um, And those folks who have bulbar onset are the ones who um, have to voice bank earlier um, or might have to get a peg like a feeding tube earlier because of the issues related to The muscles related in speech are most affected earlier. Mm. Um, But there's no like timeline, like, oh, it'll be this and then that, or oh, you can expect this. Like, we have women in this group who've had ALS for almost a decade, and their trajectory and their path has been very, very different. And different people want to do different things, right? Some people are okay with a trach, and other people are not willing to have, you know, automated ventilation as an intervention, and that's up to every single person to decide what their journey might look like.
1: You know, before anything that's really gut-wrenching or bad or, or ch- tremendously challenging um, happens to us, we we sweat small stuff. We <laughs> sweat little things. Mm-hmm. And we make mountains out of molehills, things that are so meaningless and minuscule correct i would assume when you look back at the things that you used to stress about a vast majority if not all of those things are probably long gone so talk to us is that true and how has getting this diagnosis changed you in terms of the way that you view challenges in life yeah
0: okay um i okay so we'll go to the ananda edit so i um ananda means bliss in sanskrit So Ananda is um, the company that I had. I started a small business where I was a professional organizer. So I would go into people's spaces and I would edit their space for a little more joy. Because if you can pare down and you can like, you know, have a more, I would say like clean and organized space, I think it gives room for more things that make you happy. So that was what my business was. And I would tell you that I was very like type A and very like, Uh, I don't want to say I was anal retentive, but like I was a little like particular about like how things looked or like um, just things like that. I wanted things to be very neat and tidy. Mm -hmm. And now I um, have renamed my business. Um, I'm rebranding and I am getting rid of the edit and I'm switching and I'm pivoting. So my new IG will be the Ananda pivot very soon because in order to have joy in my life, I need to shift gears and I need to like, rethink a lot, but still maintain who I am. And so yeah, we're going to keep chasing joy and bliss. And we're going to keep utilizing some of that like little inner yogi that I have, I still have somebody coming to my house to do private yoga every week, and doing mindful meditation and trying to like stay present. Um, Because nothing in the future looks so good. So I'm, Trying to be here. There's no point in worrying about where I'm going because, like, I don't know.
1: When you see people complaining about, again, being stuck in traffic. Yeah. Breaking a nail. Pick anything. There's a list of a million things. Yeah. You it, it has to cause you to feel a certain way and going, guys, I wish those were my problems.
0: Yeah. I think the thing that I feel the most that way about is, like, people having like issues with their body I'm like oh I spent so much time thinking about how my body looked like so concerned about like the number on the scale and like if I had a toned arm or like oh I gave so much a rip about that and like so when I hear other people like having trouble with themselves I'm like ah embrace your working body like nah and now i'm supposed to not lose weight i have to eat like 2500 calories a day which is so hard but kind of fun because i'm like give me cookies and cream shake yes i spent so much time like worried about things that like i should have just been like i'm so grateful and so yeah i would say that
1: yes Yeah, it's unfortunate that it takes us such devastating situations sometimes to put everything into perspective. Totally. But I think that's just the way we're built as humans. Um, We're getting close to finishing it off. When you look at the future, then, um, whether it's the next year, the next five, the next 10, or maybe next several decades, because there have been people. Who was that? Stephen Hawking? Am I making this up? Didn't he live with it from like 20 something? Right? 20-something to like 70-something years old?
0: You lived a really long life, yeah.
1: He lived a long life. Uh, there's a great movie about it. Um, so when you look at the the short and long term, uh, what do you see? What do you see that, that makes you happy and hopeful for what the future might hold?
0: Um, well, I feel excited about um, the possibility of better treatments. I feel excited about travel with my family, with my friends. Um, We're having like an early 40th girls trip with my sorority sisters from college next month. Um, I'm excited about seeing the country with my kids. Mm -hmm. We went to, I'm like not a Disney mom, but we went to Disney in the summer and it was like so, so fun. Um, and so just trying to like make memories and be present. And, um, I'm excited about this, like an on a pivot moment for myself, because I think I can still be a teacher, not like in the same way, but I'm a problem solver and I think I can help, um, especially parents going through this. Um, when i was first diagnosed i like, couldn't really find a lot of parents who were like me and i hope i can be that for other people
1: uh, i just have to ask you uh, you you've alluded to the fact that your husband's been tremendously strong and, and a huge rock for you to lean on talk about how it's impacted him and how he's been able to handle this
0: yeah um I think when I was first diagnosed, I joked that he was an angry robot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And now I see him processing. I see him. I mean, he's in a great caregiver support group and um, is also like open to therapy and meds and just
1: trying to feel less crummy <laughs> yeah it's a lot it's a lot of yeah. stuff yeah. you know losing a yeah. parent and then your wife gets diagnosed with this disease and you got two little ones at home and you've got bills to pay and a life to lead and all. i mean that's a lot of stuff all at once yeah well listen i i um i thank you so much for for being open and vulnerable where you you mentioned the ananda edit it's going to be the ananda pivot I know you've got the Instagram going. So where else? Social media, website, where can people find you?
0: Yeah. So at the Ananda edit is where like most of my stuff is going to be. I actually, this is so nuts, but I like posted this video the other day about adaptive car tools and like, it has like 980,000 people have
1: watched it. And
0: I'm like, wow. what? Like, is this a thing like where is
1: that where is that video i have to go take a look at that i'll
0: send it to you it's the five adaptive tools for the car but i'm oh, like yeah. oh. so why i'm that. excited about that is that like i don't just want people who have als to look at this like if you have a disabled grandparent if you have a child who's disabled if you have like anyone in your life who could use a little something like my page is for you because I already had a um, cutie message me on uh, Instagram and say like, oh my gosh, like this person that's MS, that'll help her get out of the car. I'll just like put it in my car. Like, thank Mm. you so much. And I'm like, hell yeah, that's what I want. Like, I just think um, for so many people, like they don't understand like how hard it is to like go to the bathroom on an airplane when you're disabled or like how hard it is to like push open a really heavy door like businesses do not know how to adapt to this population. And so I hope I'll raise awareness, not just for my community, but like, I would like everyone to be a little more aware of people who have different physical challenges. And I'm here for it until the wheels fall off.
1: Oh, listen, uh 038. That's the exact number at the moment. Mike, so, what? Like, <laughs> that's pretty wild. Yeah, let's get it over a million, everybody. Uh, right. We will link you up in the show notes. I-, I wish you nothing but the best. Please stay in touch. Uh, thank you, Jessa, so much for putting us in contact. And uh, I really look forward to watching your story unfold. Thanks, Nate.
0: So nice to meet you. And thank you for the time.